that is the process we're in right now. So if you see us here at the Adelphi on press night, you're going to see a serious shift and <laughs> in, in the show. So what's up, guys? <laughs> Alan, honestly, this is so exciting for us. Uh, thank you so much for agreeing to speak to us. My name is Adam. Uh, I All arranged right. the interview, and this is my good friend, Daz, who was part of oh. He is admin on the Back to the Future, the musical fans Facebook Fantastic. page. Fantastic. So I Fantastic. asked him. I asked him to join us to uh, to joining with a chat. Great. Um, see. Yeah, good. Yeah, well, fantastic. So what do you want to chat about, guys? <laughs> well, literally, there is a million things we could um, chat to you about, Alan. Sure. Uh, we're, here, we're here to talk about the musical mainly. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think we should start by saying a huge congratulations uh, and a thank you uh, for on the success so far of the musical both yeah. Daz and I were there on opening night in Manchester. Oh, fantastic. We were both there on opening night in London on Friday. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to see how, I mean, it was brilliant when we seen it the first time in Manchester. Yeah. It was great to see how it had been adapted. And there were a few changes made for sure. London. So that was really amazing to see. Um and I think you could tell by the audience reaction at the end, Alan, that we all had a good time and we really enjoyed it. That's, that was fantastic. It was so, it, yeah. was, it was electric. It was so good. Yeah, so good. that's fantastic. Um, so where I wanted to start, Alan, really, before we talk about the show itself, is I was, I was reading in the brochure, or program, as it was called, mm -hmm. In the uh, in the merchandise shop, uh, I was reading Bob's Bob Gale's notes about um, you know the 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 idea of having a musical and um, some of the troubles, if you like, of getting it from conception to stage. So I, I just wondered if you could elaborate on what that process was like of getting the idea and then yeah. getting it to the stage because I I think going off Bob's notes there were a few a few bumps in the road. Absolutely. You know, it, it all started with uh, an, an initial meeting with just the four of us, Bob Zemeckis, Bob Gale, Glenn Ballard, and Alan. And um, the purpose of that meeting was just to talk about whether or not it was even possible, or we thought it was possible, to take Back to the Future um, to the stage. And there were some discussions along the way early on about what that would look like. Um, you know, would there be another approach to the to the story? Um, you know, would a different point of view where we quickly got to with all that was, no, we had a really great story just the way it is. Yeah. So then the question is, how do we bring that story um, to the stage. And really, it began with Glenn and I going off and writing some material for the Bobs to, to look at. Um, I think we started with an opening number. Um, even back then, it was called Only a Matter of Time. Um, we did something fun for the family dinner because we thought, well, that's, that's made for musical comedy. Um, this this dinner table with all of these dysfunctional people <laughs> who love each other. Um, so there's a lot of fun stuff there. And then we may have done Pretty Baby in that early um, offering. And anyway, we, you know, Glenn and I went back to see the guys and we played them these songs and and they were immediately convinced that this could work. So then it was a, a process of working through 
How do these songs play into the scenario? How does the book be, you know, redesigned? Um, certain things that you can do on film, you clearly can't accomplish on stage. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was a. It's been 14 years. It's a long process. And wow. yes, there were there were bumps on the way. There were people who um, who we were hoping would join in on our journey, and some who did for a, a short while, but didn't seem like all the you know the casting and the match was right and. So we just kept finding our way, you know, and, and here we are now at the Adelphi Theater and uh, there's a show up on stage, which is it's a miracle. Because I read that, um, you know, you were you approached various producers and directors mm -hmm. who, um, didn't really believe that the movie could be made into a, 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 a musical or a, or a stage version of the show and. Yeah. How, how disappointing was that? Well, you know, look, it's one of the amazing things about the whole process was connected to the fact that um, Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis have a tremendous amount of influence over what happens to Back to the Future. Yeah. And there was never any kind of pressure for instance, you know, we've got to do this and we've got to do it by such and such a date and it's got to be this and it's got to be that. Um, th th there was none of that. We didn't have to do it, actually. No. And at every step of the way, Bob, Bob Gale always talked about having the red button. <laughs> and <laughs> if, if this, because the first mission was we wanted to make sure that we honored and cared for Back to the Future. Yeah. It's an amazing, beloved film. Um, the franchise is, is amazing. And the last thing any of us wanted to do was anything that would injure or tarnish everything that Back to the Future has earned over 35 years. Um, yeah. So... So, you know, yeah, it's always disappointing, but I think it's part of the um, part of the uh, the DNA and the life cycle of Back to the Future. I think Bob Gale um, collected every rejection letter that they received when they were trying to get the movie made. I think he said something like 52 producers and studios said, nah. Time travel movie? No, no, sorry, not doing it, not doing it. So, so it wasn't shocking in a way for us to hear that folks uh, weren't getting it. We just kept going because, um, you know, we we felt it would work. Yeah, you believed. And, yeah, we um, believed. You know, his, history was literally repeating itself. That's right. <laughs> and, I, and I read as well. I read that, uh, again, in Bob's notes, that a producer or a director that you went to see um, told you to get out of his seat. Um, no, no, no. That was that was um, that was no um, that was no personage who told us um, to get out of their seat. Um, it was it was advice from a member of someone's staff that uh, we might not want to sit in a particular seat in oh, that right. office. Um, that was just someone trying to do their job. All right. um, I, was, I was going to say, if you ever come to my house, Alan, you can sit wherever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> so, but it's, all, it's always interesting, you know, because all those kinds of things give you an indication of how, how your project and the people involved are being viewed as you walk into a meeting. You know, everything is an indicator. Everything tells you something about um, the climate, if you will. Yeah. So that clearly wasn't a favorable climate, and it turned out to not be. Yeah. So uh, 
I, I want to take it back uh, 18 months now. Um, as you've just said, it took 14 years for the musical to establish itself. What was it like after the first opening night for yourself in Manchester? Well, that was amazing because, um, you know, by that time, we had a certain level of confidence that the show was playing. And, and that's one of the things you look for, whether it's, it's on stage or with film. Um, you know, it, it's you do previews and the first thing you say to your colleagues is, well, it's play. And that means we've got a movie, we've got a show. Um, and until you put it in front of the audience for the first time, you can think you have a show and you can, you can be confident that it will play, but it hasn't played yet until the audience sits through it. And so really that first preview night in Manchester was clear uh, evidence that Back to the Future, the musical plays and that the audience really enjoys it and wants to see it and it's front to back. Of course, we also knew in that exhilarating moment that there's an enormous amount of work to do to really do justice to Back to the Future. And that work has continued through all of that time in Manchester, through all of the pandemic time, however, 18 months, I think you said. And you know, we previewed Friday night, you guys were there. We've been working day and night since you saw the show because there's just an enormous amount of work to do. Um, we want it to really be lovely and great. So it's an amazing process. How, how disappointing was it, Alan, when the, the, the pandemic COVID stopped Manchester in its tracks? Well, you know, it's, it's, um, if it had been a localized, isolated event and our show, for some reason, was shut down, that would have been one thing. But it was, it was quickly apparent that this was a global catastrophe yeah. we were all facing. And our generation um, has never really lived in, because we're not through anything yet. No. We've never experienced a global catastrophe where this is happening everywhere on planet Earth. In a strange way, that helped take some of the sting yeah. out of it. Of course, it was terribly disappointing. You know, jobs, uh, employment was ended. Um, there was no future <laughs> to use our, our favorite subject. It was certainly an unknown future. Would we ever get back in a theater again? No one could really answer that. Would would any of us survive this? Um, or was this gonna just be a wave that would go around the world like a nuclear cloud and this was it? Um, no one can answer um, those questions the night we closed down. So yeah, it was, it was certainly tough. It was tough. Yeah, because it just occurred to me there that this probably wasn't the only project of yours that the... Um... The pandemic has affected so your movie work as well. I think Bob's yeah. I think Bob's and Megas's The Witches came out, which you scored. That's right. Bob had just finished. Bob had just finished shooting before the world closed down. Yeah. Which meant now that film comes over to me and everyone else in post-production. And then the question is: so how, what do we do? Um, every orchestra in the world was locked out of a studio. Um, and we finally wound up recording Witches at Abbey Road. But literally days before the recording began, we were still waiting for the government to allow the musicians to enter the studio. And we needed that approval. 
And then the way we we uh, we had to record it had never been done before. The violin string section, socially distanced, six wow. feet apart. You know, I mean, and having to record, of course, people have recorded scores in pieces, but not socially distanced yeah. and in different rooms with, you know, different ensembles. It was very challenging, but everybody rose to the occasion. It was scored. It came out, sounded wonderful. Um, so there have been a lot of uh, great stories of triumph and overcoming the conditions. Yeah. Uh, in the last 18 months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one question I wanted to ask, and, and I put out on my social channels that, um, you know, that we were speaking to you, and I got uh, a lot of people um, were very excited to put some questions in. Uh, a question I got a lot, Alan, is, um, you know, so we've spoken about the musical and we've spoken about, you know, the witches and, and composing for a movie there. How, how does it differ? between composing for a movie and now you are writing music for stage. How, how, how does that differ? Yeah, it's, um, first of all, you can, you can clearly delineate um, what we would call score and what we would call songs. Yeah. So you can have songs in a film. For instance, Glenn Ballard and I um, did uh, Polar Express together. Yeah with Bob Zemeckis. Um, and we had a number of songs in there. And when we did, it was like doing a musical. Yeah. When Tom Hanks does um, Hot Chocolate and Polar Express, it's choreography, all singing, all dancing. That part um, is like musical theater. Um, you know, the interesting thing is um, on the stage every night, thousands of things have to happen right yeah. in order for you to successfully even get through the show. And that's not just music. That's all the actors' performances, the amazing clockwork machinery of the lighting, the set design and movement so much got people queuing things i mean it's it's amazing whereas in the film when it's finished that's it yeah so if Don't. the door opens there it's tonight it's going to open there when you work on the movie that's not how it works in musical theater <laughs> that door might not open or it might open two beats later um so it's been interesting, and I think it's one of the fun things about Back to the Future, the musical, is that um, it's, it doesn't seem to be done often. Um, but we thought, why aren't we scoring our show? I mean, there it is. We're doing all of these dramatic events. Why is our orchestra not scoring those moments as we would do in film yeah and you know and as you guys saw we, we're doing some very cinematic type things Absolutely. Um, and we're scoring them and in those moments we're scoring them like we would in in uh in a film but even then still there's a lot that could go wrong tonight yeah. um whereas on film well, there it is. There's the car chase. It's not going to change. If you write something and record it, everything's in the right place. It stays in the right place forever. Now, on stage, every night is a new possibility, yeah. and it's a new chance for a lot to go right or wrong. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're there every time, aren't you? You're there at every show with Bob. Yeah, pretty much. You know, we're in a very special time right now. From the night you saw the show until somewhere in early September, this is all known as preview. Yeah. And so even though we have an audience in there, um, we are all working day and night on the show. When the audience leaves every night, 
all of the people involved in the making of the show gather in the stalls yeah. every night. And we have a production meeting. And we talk about, oh, this, this entrance seemed like the music, for instance, from my place. Music needs to come in sooner here. It seems like the last two performances were always there. Let's adjust that. Let's do this. And everyone is doing the same thing in their respective disciplines. The director's looking at how an entrance of one of the actors felt. Um, was the actor lit soon enough? Was the lighting sufficient? I mean, and it's a, it's a big meeting. So that will tend to stop because we're approaching something that they call show lock. Right. And at that point, you know, this has to be a show that is locked. The books are printed in ink. Yeah. You know, the, the book of, of words, the book of music, the book of directions for lighting, uh, for props. There is a Bible that's created. And as Back to the Future begins to live its life in different countries and travel around the world, that will be the locked version, the official version of the show. So we're trying very hard right now to get everything where it needs to be so we'll all feel satisfied when that version of the show, the locked show, is finally stamped and that's what the world gets. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think that's a difference. Obviously, I went to the opening night in Manchester on the 20th, and I also went to the press night on the, I think it was the 11th of March. Right. And you could, you could see the differences. And even, even when you're in the audience, you were like, that sounded a little different from the last time I heard it. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely pick up on those things. Exactly. I mean, what you witnessed, um, were you on opening night of preview in Manchester also? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, there was a lot different if you saw opening night yeah, was, yeah. and press night. There were parts of songs that were removed, things put back in. We we're just like, ah, okay, no, it's all great. It's all playing, but this feels too long. This should be here. And all that is the process we're in right now. So if you see us here at the Adelphi on press night, you're going to see a serious shift and <laughs> in, in the show. Brilliant. Uh, you said before, Alan, you know, that it is very, it's a very cinematic show. I don't, I don't know how you achieve it. It's amazing. It, it, you know, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it yeah, yeah. Um, who are watching this, but it, it's very cinematic. Some of the things you achieve on stage is uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but I think what's really important to point out, Alan, is that this show isn't just for the fans of Back to the Future. Um, you know, it's got an amazing cast, amazing music, the songs, you know, your score from the original movie features heavily in it. Um, the innovation, there's a DeLorean on the stage, you know, it's it's not just for Back to the Future fans, uh, which I think is is key to its it, you know its longevity. Would you agree, Alan? Yeah. yeah, I would completely agree, and it's it's one of the things that we um, talked about very seriously in the development of the show. Um, you know, because we're involved. Um, we just assume that everyone in the world has seen Back to the Future multiple times. <laughs> and if you go into certain environments, you, you know, that, that um, misinformation can be confirmed. Um, after Back to the Future came out, I was invited to a university to talk to the students and they could literally sing the score and recite all of the dialogue for the movie, I said, how many people have seen the movie? Everybody raised their hand. I said, how many have seen it two times? Everybody raised their hand. I got to about four times and then there 
were people who hadn't seen it four times. Now, in contrast to that, um, I went to uh, Savannah, Georgia. Um, uh, I, I think it might have been there. Um, no, 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 it might not have been Savannah. It was a, it was a, one of our um, concerts, Back to the Future in Concert, where we show the film with the entire orchestra on stage live. I saw, um, it. I saw it in Edinburgh, Alan. Yeah. And it's a, um, it, it blew me away. I, I, was, a, I was weeping. <laughs> it's a fun, it's a fun, fun way to experience oh, Back to the Future. Amazing. But in, in this instance, I, I asked, because I was introducing the film that night, I asked how many people had seen uh, Back to the Future. Maybe half the audience raised their hand. Right. So a lot of people haven't seen it. So to get back to you know the beginning here, we seriously considered how much to rely on having had to have seen the film in order to enjoy the show. Yeah. And where we got to was we really want this to be a wonderful, entertaining, coherent experience in the theater, even if you have never even heard the words Back to the Future. And, and I'm hoping that we've achieved that to some degree, that you can go. It doesn't matter that you didn't see the film. You can go and you'll get all the jokes You'll enjoy all the music um, and performances, and and I'm hoping that's what we've we've uh, put up on the stage. Uh, well, I would say, um, you know, mission achieved. I think there. Great, that's hundred percent. Because I think you're also going to get the people who really aren't into musical theatre, right? Um, and and as soon as they see one of my cult favourite films, they might go, ah, oh, I might I might take someone along with me to go and watch that because I'm quite exactly. interested in it. And then they're, they're going to be converted straight away. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. And that that is really um, that was very important to us um, to have have the show um, speak to everyone of all ages. You know, it's amazing how many people walk up to me um, with their children in hand. And I'm talking five-year-olds. And they say, it's Johnny's favorite film. He watches it every Saturday. Yeah. And we just love that, that, you know, Back to the Future is still finding new audience um, every year. It's amazing. On, on Friday night, Alan, when the show had finished and I was coming out, there was uh, young children there. Yeah. Uh, probably about six, seven year old, and they were yeah. they were hyper. They absolutely loved <laughs> yeah. it. And yeah. you know that that's I love that. I love yeah. that. You know the the new generation. You know what? Yeah, handing over. You know that's that's a big yeah. reason why I do the podcast. Sure. Uh, and a lot of the things I do is to keep these um, you know these movies alive and 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 yeah. try and bring them to a new audience. This morning when yeah. I was dropping my kids off. At, uh, at the childminers and at the nursery, I was playing your Back to the Future score in the car. And my son, <laughs> Zach, who was four, loves Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, he said to me, Dad, said, let's pretend we're in the DeLorean. Um, <laughs> although although now I'm Doc. I used to oh, be yeah. Now well, I'm Doc. It happens. <laughs> it happens little by little. And then one day you yeah. wake up and you're Doc. You're not Marty anymore. <laughs> yeah. My, well, my, my son's 15 months now. Yeah. Uh, and whenever we're, whenever I'm getting him ready or something like that, I will just put the soundtrack on and it, it kind of yeah. chills him out. So I'm looking forward to the day. I'm looking forward to the day when he starts talking properly and goes, can we watch Back to the Future? Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Alan, you said before, you know, you, you, you sit in on the shows and you observe them and, and um, you have your uh, meetings afterwards and tweak this and tweak that. And how much do you listen to fan feedback? Does, does that uh, have, you know, play any part in your thinking when you're making any amendments or changes? Yeah, or? I, I think, um, you know, it, it absolutely does. I think you have to be discerning about um, fan feedback. Um, but, you know, 
in the end, we're doing this for the audience. And the idea of not wanting feedback from the audience is it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly there are audience members who um, will, for whatever reason, um, take out frustrations um, and things like that that may have nothing to do with what they just saw. Um, but for the most part, um, fans, people who go see the show, um, are very willing to share their impressions. And, and look, that's what a preview is. It is a chance to, to preview the, the production and, and get that feedback and yeah. see if, if we have something that we've missed. It's very important uh, in the film process. You know, you wind up showing your movie and then if 10 people in the audience go, I don't know why we were in that room in the movie. I don't know wh what, why did the character go there? And then it's like, oh, that's right. We didn't tell them plot wise. Yeah. yeah. What was the, why they were there. So what happens then is at that very moment, the audience is confused. And when the audience is confused, it's like the show stops for them. It's like, wait, 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 wait. What happened? What, what, what was that? You know, and the clock's ticking. And then at some point they'll go, oh, okay. And now they've missed something else. Yeah. And now they have to catch up. And yeah. now the audience reaction, now the next joke didn't get a laugh because they haven't caught up. They're all confused from something we didn't give them. Yeah. So, so yes, we absolutely embrace the audience feedback because they're the ones who will point out when something is either working or not working. Yeah. So, what? sorry, go on, Doug. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, uh, when it when it comes to obviously the songs that you wrote with Glenn and stuff like that, um, personal favorite of mine is um, "Put Your Mind to It," which we mm -hmm. know was original, which was originally "When You're Really Cool." Um, but I just wanted to yeah. see: um, Do you have a favorite number that you're particularly fond of in the musical? Um, I I wouldn't say I do really. Um, you know, it's 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 like having a favorite cue or piece of music in the movie. Um, and then, you know, I always extrapolate when asked a question like that. It's like, how many children do you have? For instance. <laughs> just, just one. Do you have just one? So I've got three. So he's under, he'll understand more than you will right now because you clearly have a favorite. He, he probably doesn't have a favorite. Not one he would mention. Right. <laughs> And so the songs or the, the cues in the film are kind of like that. You know, everyone is a challenge. Everyone requires, you know, the right answer to the right question, the right solution to the problem. And, uh, you know, they um, we can't hear anything in the film without hearing all of the the um, the process behind it. So, yeah, I don't really have a favorite. And, uh, you know, of course, the music is wonderful. Uh, you know, the, the elements of your wonderful score that are used in the show, you know, I, I get the hairs on the back of my neck stand up just talking about it. Uh, it's all great, but it wouldn't be what it is without the amazing cast. Yeah. Uh, in the show. Sensational. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Um, Ollie and Roger have such an amazing chemistry as the two leads, as Marty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you must be really pleased with the cast. You know, we are, we are more than pleased. Um, it was one of the terrifying aspects of even beginning to, um, to put Back to the Future uh, together for the stage, we didn't know early on if it was 
even possible for anyone, an audience, to accept anyone other than Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly. We didn't know if it was even possible for anyone to accept anyone other than Chris Lloyd as the doc. And you see our cast, um, Roger, Ali, um, Rosie, and you, amongst many others. It's unbelievable how they capture the essence of those characters. And it also shows you the power of those characters that the audience immediately gets yeah. Doc and gets Marty. And it's interesting, all four of the people I mentioned have an entrance. Yeah. And I always marvel at this because I'm always waiting for the audience to figure it out and see um, the entrance. You has his entrance in the family, in the house. Yeah. Doc has his very special entrance. Yes. You know, Marty's, you know, right away. Um, Rosie, family dinner. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always interested to wait because there's every night there's that moment when the audience is going, can they really do it? Is this really going to be George? You know, because I know George. I, he's been my friend for 35 years. And how could anyone do that? And literally the first words out of you's mouth usually get an amazing round of applause from the audience. Oh, yeah. And what that applause is, I think, is, oh, my God, George is here. Yeah. We're OK. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. Know that about all of these principal characters. Oh, my God, it's Doc. We're OK. It's Marty. It's it's Lorraine. We're OK. So I think that's been amazing for us to, to see these performers, you know, channel these characters to the degree they're able to to channel them. Yeah. And, and what's great is it's not really not trying to mimic them. They're not trying to impersonate right. them. Right. Right. You know, they're making the role their own, yeah. which is really wonderful yeah. to see. It's unbelievable. It's the only way it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, of course, I've had, we've had a chat with Aidan Cutler before he plays yeah. Biff, and he was told yes. he said, "You are not playing Tom Wilson as Biff. You are playing Biff as right. your own." And right. everyone makes it their own. It's spectacular. Right. And Ed Aiden has just, just, you know, again, you know, the first time we saw Aiden in the role, it's like, "Wow, there's Biff. We're we're yeah. okay." Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. He has brought so much to, to the show. I mean, they they delight in seeing him. Yeah. And uh, and he's amazing in his in his singing and and movement abilities. And it, he's the perfect measure of bully and and goofball. Yeah. You know, he's he's believable, but not so much that you know you feel you're in a different mood. It's oh yeah, perfect. definitely. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Now, now is it? Yeah. So, so press night for London, uh, Alan, is the thirteenth of September. Right. Is the plan to have it locked by then? Yes, I believe the plan is to have it locked by then. Okay. Um, and again, we'll have to see. Um, I don't think anyone's printing up um, these these books of the final version of the show on the morning of the 14th. Um, <laughs> so there might still be a possibility for um, something, um, but, but generally, yeah, we really want this, all of these kinds of creative and mechanical questions worked out by then. Yeah. And then um, Glenn and I, uh, and are off the morning of the 14th uh, recording the cast album. And All right. we'll, we'll be at that for three Mega. solid Wonderful. So, that, that's the one we all want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We want to hear them songs. We want it in our cars. We want it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it'll be very exciting to have that in our hand. Uh, and it'll be wonderful because the cast will have 
been performing together for all these weeks by then, and they'll completely be comfortable, as will our, our orchestra. Everyone will be completely comfortable. All the bugs hopefully will be worked out so we can just go to work and, and get great performances for the so cast. That's the thing I see people comment about the most. When, when will we get the album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When can we stream it? When can we listen to it in the car? When yeah. can I put it on my phone? Yeah, people yeah, really I believe production has a prospective date, available date. I don't know what it is at the moment, but I, I certainly know when we start recording. That's my big deadline. And Glenn's at the moment yeah. is uh, and, and Nick Finlow, who's our, our uh, you know, our just amazing um, arranger who's helped us, you know, to, to, to make all this happen. So we've all got a big due date, you know, the day we have to hand our paper in. And uh, <laughs> there's lots think, to do. I think it's because the songs are that good. You literally leave the theater singing your favorite one. Like yeah. you'll see people bobbing. Like I, I do it with put your mind to it all the time. Yeah. Even when I'm putting, putting me washing out and things like that. <laughs> so you, you know, just do it. And that's what people think. They think, where can I hear that song again? And they're just eager for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's coming as quickly as we can do it, it and uh, and uh, that's very exciting for us to have that. It will be in the lobby of the theater um, as quickly as we can get it there. Brilliant. Yeah. So, so once you've done that, Alan, once that's done and dusted, what's what's next for you? Well, then I head back. Um, have and, a rest. You get some time. No, 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 no. There's. There's none of that. No R word. Um, <laughs> no, Glenn and I actually have been working since a year ago, April, on Pinocchio for Bob's Meccas. Yeah. And we have, we have at the moment seven songs that are in the new Pinocchio. Um, the film is in a very early stage. It's, it's one of those... Um, films that has an enormous amount of special effects. Yeah. Um, so as soon as we get back, we're back into that um, full on. And I believe the way the schedule works now, we're back here at Abbey Road in April to record the score for that. Wow. So there'll be lots to do. Busy. You're a busy guy. Busy man. Yeah, but busy man. It's great. Yeah, it's great. It'd be worse it's if you weren't. We always dreamed of. Yeah. Um, Alan, I, I couldn't let you go without, um, you know, mentioning some of the other um, scores that you've done for movies, uh, mm -hmm. you know, which I grew up with and, you know, are essentially the, the, the soundtrack to my childhood and growing up. Mm -hmm. So movies like uh, Romance in the Stone, I think is a is a, a wonderful score. Um, absolutely amazing. Um, I love uh, obviously Back to the Future, uh, and but more recently, you know, the biggest movie released to date, uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, I went to see Avengers Endgame twice in twenty four hours, largely due to your score. Wow, it's amazing. Um, portals. From mm -hmm. Endgame is uh, some of the best, you know, it, it's the best marriage of music and movie that I've seen mm -hmm. for a long, long time. Absolutely Thank incredible. And, and, and I was wondering, you know, to myself when I was having a, sh I was in the shower this morning, I was thinking, I wonder if there's ever a time when you're, you're, you're conducting the score for a movie and you think to yourself, people are going to love that. The audience is going to love that. And I was thinking, surely Portals is one such instance if you do ever do that. You know, it's it's interesting. When you work on a film like that, um, that was the culmination of 20, I think 21 or 22 years of, of development of characters um, and development of relationships between yeah. fans and yeah. characters. Um, so we 
you know, that's a double-edged sword by the time you get to Endgame. We know that the, the history, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is bringing all of this goodwill and all of this backstory. Um, and, you know, first thing we have to do is try not to hurt anything here. Yeah. And try not to, you know, try to at least attempt to live up to the expectations, which are kind of over the top. And so, um, you know, for us in the studio or witnessing all of that, it was very emotional because we're seeing kind of the 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 coming together of the movie. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. music is, you know, one of the last thing, things that happened. And, and we're seeing, so we're seeing the score play for the first time, but then we're seeing the, the entrance of all of the history of Marvel. Yeah. And, you know, so at that point, and this is really the only way I think anybody can do this, at that point, we're fans, yeah. pure and simple. We're like, ha, 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 <laughs> ha, you know? So if we couldn't feel that, we couldn't do our jobs. So we are, all of us, um, you know, writers, musicians, um, composer, director, we are the ultimate fanboys and girls. Yeah. And, and, we have to somehow have faith in the fact that if we're a good fanboy and fangirl and we think this is a good idea, some of the other fanboys and fangirls are going to think it's a good idea. And so it's that kind of guides us. And clearly the first time we all heard portals um, revealed with those images, wow. it was... We were very happy fans at that at that point, and really hope the audience would love it as much as we were loving it. Well, I certainly did, and, I, and obviously the 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 ticket sales <laughs> says I wasn't alone. Yeah, and like I yeah, say, they, they love that movie. They love that movie, and like I say, I went to see it twice in twenty four hours, largely due to your score. And it, honestly, it just mm. absolutely oh, that's amazing. Uh, and of course, you had to score. Spoiler alert: uh, the death of Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. What was that like? <laughs> well, I look. You know, um, it was always out there. Um, it's one of the last things I faced in the writing the score um, for the film. Um, interestingly enough. Um, there were two parts to that. Okay. There was there was Tony Stark's death, but then there was the celebration yeah. of Tony yeah. Stark's life, yeah. which was probably even more emotional yeah. than it, his death, as that very often is in real life. Yeah, and. You know, it's one of those things that I avoided as long as I could. <laughs> but at some point, it's the end of the movie. Now you got to go do that. And uh, it, I, I think, you know, hopefully we found a good, a good way to play all that. Um, so the audience could really um, enjoy is really not the, the right word. So the audience could participate. Yeah in a respectful way uh, in all this, because, you know, for the fans who had been Marvel fans for years and years, and for the fans from the first time they saw Iron Man, this was, this was uh, a loss for yeah. them, a real profound loss to a fan. Uh, and, and, you know, so in Endgame, we, we we all got to go through the process of processing our loss. And uh, yeah, 
it was, um, I think it turned out to be a, a powerful piece of cinema there. Oh, you nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really incredible. Listen, Alan, I know you're a super, super busy guy. Uh, genuinely, thank you so much for taking the time out. Thank you. To talk to us. Um, as soon as I hang up on this, I'm going to go and put a big tick on one of my bucket <laughs> items. Okay. Uh, bucket list items. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute pleasure, but I'm going to be a little bit cheeky here, Alan. Okay. Uh, there's a Please. piano right next to you. There's a what? A piano or a keyboard. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. <laughs> this is all I'm going to do because this is a spoiler, okay? Okay. That's it. <laughs> I hope you recognize it. I definitely recognize yeah, I did. it. I did. It's three notes. If you if you don't get it in three notes, then I yeah. haven't done my job. Hundred percent. I got um, it on the first note, Alan. Um, thank you so I'm much. Say, yeah. Sorry, Daz. Go on. I was just going to say I'm the same as Adam. Like everything, I, I love your work. Um, obviously, we've as me, we've already taken the show, uh, the musical, to like fan levels. We've got yeah. a massive amount of support for the musical. Uh, fans, fans coming from around the world. We um, on Amazing. opening night on opening night on the Friday. There was yeah. quite. We we took over a bar. Uh, people yeah. in cosplay we, we'd literally yeah. all come from around the world to see your show and yeah. the 14 years that you put into it it's been absolutely yeah. amazing so we just wanted to say thank you for that well thank you for the support and uh it's why we do it and it's thrilling for us to hear that the fans are embracing it and that we get to share it with the world it's the most amazing yeah. thing for all of us and it's been lovely talking to you guys i mean it's uh uh, it's really been an absolute pleasure. So thank you for, for your time as well. Thank you. Thank, thank you for you. taking the time to speak, well Alan. And good luck with the rest of the show. Hope Great. you see you on press night. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I would yeah, love for that. that. Wonderful.